The NDP and the Bloc Québécois are calling for House of Commons Speaker Anthony Rota to resign after he took responsibility for inviting a Nazi soldier to Parliament. Pierre Poliev taunted the CBC on Monday, hinting that he would convert the Crown Corporation's $400 million worth of real estate holdings into housing for Canadians. Is there a future for fake meat alternatives in Canada? One industry group seems to think so. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, September 26th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The NDP and Bloc Québécois are calling for House of Commons Speaker Anthony Rota to resign after inviting and honoring a veteran who fought under the Nazi Waffen SS Galicia Division in World War II. Rota recognized 98-year-old Yaroslav Hunka, who was sitting in the House of Commons gallery at Rota's invitation as a, quote, Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, prior to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's address to Parliament. Anthony Rota is a Liberal MP and the current Speaker of the House of Commons. Hunka, a resident of Rota's northern Ontario riding of Nipissing Timiskaming, received a standing ovation from MPs and dignitaries in the House of Commons on Friday. NDP House Leader Peter Julian called for Rota's resignation in a point of order Monday morning, saying that the episode was an unforgivable error and that a sacred trust has been broken. And unfortunately, I believe a sacred trust has been broken. It's for that reason, for the good of the institution of the House of Commons, that I say, sadly, I don't believe you can continue in this role. Regrettably, I must respectfully ask that you step aside. I ask for the good of Parliament that you step down from the role of Speaker. In a statement to the media, Bloc Québécois leader Yves-Francois Blanchet said, quote, We invite the Speaker of the House to act responsibly and relinquish his office. Rota apologized in a statement on Sunday for his recognition of Hunka, reiterating it verbally in the House of Commons Monday morning. On Monday, House Leader Karina Gold pointed the finger at the Speaker, saying the government had no knowledge of the invite. Rota reiterated that he takes full responsibility for the incident. I think we both share the frustration about what happened on Friday, but I do want to reiterate, and as you have made very clear in your statement, Mr. Speaker, that this was your initiative. The Government of Canada had no knowledge of this individual coming to... The government had no knowledge. The Speaker is responsible for this chamber. He invited him of his own accord, and he made the decision himself to recognize him. Neither the Government of Canada nor the delegation of Ukraine had any knowledge of this. I would respectfully submit, Mr. Speaker, that you clarify this for the members opposite, because it's important that this information be clear and that these False allegations do not continue because they're not true. Thank you, Mr. That's Speaker. right. The Honourable Opposition House Leader, then the Government House Leader, before anything starts, I just want to make it clear that it was my decision, and my decision alone, 
This was a constituent who wanted to see what wanted to be here, and I recognized him. It was my decision, and I apologize profusely. I cannot, I cannot tell you how regretful it is, and it may not be good enough for some of you. And for that, I apologize. And I'll let the honourable opposition house leader take it from here, and then we'll go to the government house leader. The Conservatives are refuting the claim that the Trudeau Liberals knew nothing of the invitation and are calling on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to apologize to Canadians. And honestly, just looking at the news cycle right now, by the time you hear this episode of The Daily Brief, it's very likely Rota would have stepped down, as even now, the Liberals are calling him to abdicate his position as of Tuesday morning. So, Noah... Do you expect the Liberals to be able to kind of quietly push this under the rug and put this behind them? You know, they're claiming that the Prime Minister's office had no idea about this, but I'm not sure Canadians agree with that. Do you buy this line by the Liberals here? I think the Trudeau Liberals definitely are trying to sweep this under the rug. You've seen the Liberals trying to place the entire uh, responsibility for the invitation on the Speaker of the House, Anthony Rota, and Anthony Rota, as a Liberal MP, has willingly accepted full responsibility for the incident. And you see the Conservatives instead are trying to place as maximal blame on the Trudeau government. Uh, look, the uh, the process for security clearances in the House of Commons is quite obtuse to the public. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the Prime Minister's office did have the list of invitees who were coming uh, on that day when uh, President Zelensky was going to be in the House of Commons. So the Prime Minister's office could have vetted who was going to be there. And they could have, through a simple Google search, found that uh, he served with the Nazi Waffen SS, which was a group that, you know, helped in the extermination of Jews and during the Holocaust. How successful do you think some of these calls for Rota to step down are going to be? Yeah, I mean, the leaders of the Bloc Québécois and the NDP have already asked him to step down. I'm surprised that the Conservatives haven't. The Liberals so far have backed him. But look, um, it looks like the Canadian government over the past eight years that Trudeau has been in office has a problem with accountability. Uh, routinely, cabinet ministers have, you know, been shown to have these massive screw ups that are revealed to the media. And only after are they revealed to the media, they apologize. And after their apologies, they don't face consequences. In fact, sometimes they are shuffled to different cabinet positions and are uh, given superior cabinet positions. So there is a problem of accountability in this government. And it seems as if this accountability problem uh, faces uh, the Speaker of the House, uh, Anthony Rhoda. Uh, he will not uh, step, step down, as it seems, uh, despite the fact that he messed up pretty badly, and he should. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev taunted the CBC on X by hinting that he would convert the Crown Corporation's over $400 million worth of real estate holdings into housing for Canadians. Polyev on X wrote, quote, It warms my heart to think of the families that will move into a home they can afford at the former headquarters of the CBC. The comment is also likely a nod to Polyev's promise to defund the CBC if elected prime minister, as well as his recently unveiled home building plan, which includes a review of federal properties and a pledge to sell off 15% of certain holdings to developers. 
Polyev's comments cited a recent response by the CBC to a question on the order paper in the House of Commons by Conservative MP Adam Chambers, revealing how much real estate wealth the taxpayer-funded broadcaster has amassed in recent years. The CBC owns half a billion dollars worth of real estate holdings, and of that property, over two-thirds of it is caught up in the Broadcasting Centre in Toronto, according to a newly released document obtained by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. The CBC's Toronto Broadcast Centre at 250 Front Street West is priced at a whopping $313.8 million alone. Their second most valuable property is the CBC Broadcast Centre in Vancouver. Valued at $99 million, it was originally built in 1975 and later renovated in 2009. Only two of the broadcaster's properties are valued, valued to be less than $1 million. These include a studio in Thunder Bay, which is valued at $537,000, and a CBC facility in Rankin Intel, Nunavut, valued at $314,600. So Cosmin, it seems as if the state broadcaster has given yet another reason to defund the CBC. Why do you think the CBC owns so much real estate and what value does this bring to Canadians? Well, the reason why is because they're stuck in this um, old media model uh, where they have to have newsrooms in every city. You know, uh, current new media, independent media operates much more swiftly. You know, we're all around the country, but we don't necessarily need these newsrooms or HQs. This is really just a, a model that's stuck in the past. CBC has accumulated these properties over, you know, the decades of its existence. And quite frankly, I don't think it does bring any value to Canadians when journalists can do this job from anywhere in the country, from home or from, you know, uh, out and in the field. So I don't think that new media companies necessarily need to accumulate this amount of property just because of the way things work. Everything is digitized now. You can watch the House of Commons from your home. You can watch, uh, you know, city council meetings on the Internet. So we don't really need uh, this physical brick and mortar presence uh, to serve Canadians the news and information they need today. Exactly, Cosman. And I think it's worth comparing the CBC's operations to True North's operations. You know, we're, we're a new media outfit and we don't have any uh, property under True North. Uh, this is a completely remote operation, whereas the CBC, they have uh, nearly a half a billion dollars worth of property. I mean, the CBC could, ha could have been selling off some of this property uh, and, you know, converting some of their operation to being a bit more of a remote operation not in, not in its entirety, but perhaps uh, they could have modernized. Why don't you think uh, the CBC has modernized in this way, Cosman? Well, a part of that is just inertia as a giant corporation that receives, you know, billions of dollars. It's very hard to change, right? Like, it's really hard to just shift into another model. I know they're trying to catch up with digital media they're trying to do all this streaming stuff they're trying to do more digital journalism have a presence on social media but it's much harder when you're an established corporation because you have all of these working parts you have all these people you employ and you can't just overnight say oh we're gonna downsize you know by 50 percent uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people's jobs on the line and it would be very unpopular, difficult. You have to, 
you know, pay off severance and all these things. So it, it is very difficult for the CBC to change. And that is why it's so essential for the conservatives to force a change, because this is quite frankly an outdated model. It does not serve Canadians any longer. And like you said, independent media can do just as good of a job covering the news and holding the government accountable. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Although fewer consumers are buying fake plant-based meat products and companies like Beyond Meat are struggling to rebound, one industry group says that meat alternative products have a bright future. Citing a study by Ernst & Young, Protein Industries Canada CEO Bill Gruel says he expects Canadians to indulge in the next wave of products which seek to simulate more tender cuts of meat and even salmon steaks. Gruel said, we need to really think about how competitive our jurisdictions are in this country relative to the incentives put in the U.S. The Ernst & Young study commissioned by Protein Industries Canada claims that the fake meat industry will reach a $139.4 billion U.S. dollar evaluation by 2035, up from $16.5 billion USD in 2021. That would mean an annual compound growth rate of 16.5% each year. Other companies like CoBank have disputed these projections. In a recent report, analysts found that as of July 2nd, fake meat sales were down 21% when compared to last year. So this is quite the claim, you know, a growth of over $100 billion uh, essentially in the next 10 years. You know, I, I have a trouble believing this because I go to the grocery store and you really don't see the fake meat products selling out. Uh, in fact, it's a lot harder to find things like, you know, traditional beef steak than it is to find these alternative meat products. I just like to ask, you Noah, have you ever consumed these fake meat alternatives? And if, if so, what did you think? No, Cosman, <laughs> I haven't consumed any of these fake meat alternatives because, you know, when I go to, say, Burger King and they have the Beyond Meat burger and they have the regular burger, uh, I, I don't see any reason why I would go for the uh, fake stuff instead of the real stuff. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I think this fake meat alternative uh, thing was a fad uh, with Beyond Meat. A lot of restaurants were pushing it. A lot of grocery stores were pushing it. It was getting a lot of uh, advertising. You'd see a lot on TVs and whatnot. Uh, but it was a fad that has reached its peak, you know, perhaps uh, last year or a couple of years ago. Uh, and the sales of uh, from this fad are now ta tapering off just like every other sort of trendy new thing that eventually dissipates because people aren't genuinely interested in the product. Uh, why would anybody be gen genuinely interested in fake beef when they have real beef? Well, you make a good point because this is like a niche product, right? Uh, essentially, it's for people who are vegans or vegetarians and they want to get the 
experience of eating meat without, you know, compromising on their own beliefs. So it's strange to me that despite this being a very niche thing, you know, for certain dietary uh, needs, that it's actually being pushed to the broader public. It's almost like we they're telling us to eat fake meat. Why? Why is this the case? Well, the liberals and the environmentalist crowd, they believe that beef and, you know, just the process of raising animals produces a lot of carbon emissions. Uh, there's a popular documentary on Netflix that estimates that about 50 percent of greenhouse gas emissions are from the raising of uh, cows, I believe. Uh, cow farts is, is causing climate change, uh, so they say. So they want to phase out uh, the use of uh, beef as you know something that people eat on a daily basis, and they'd rather have people uh, eat plant-based alternatives, which are a bit more uh, carbon-friendly, uh, as they say. This is all part of, of their giant environmentalist scheme, uh, but quite frankly, uh, I don't think you're going to convince Canadians or people around the world, especially in developing countries that would really like, you know, beef, uh, you know, which is a high quality sort of meat. Uh, I don't think you're going to convince people around the world to stop eating meat. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.